Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. The best partners don't just talk, they dig in. Syngenta doesn't just talk about their commitment to helping you grow your best potato crop. They back it up with a dedicated team and comprehensive product solutions for the challenges you face every day. And as the needs of the industry change, Syngenta helps you stay ahead. Talk to your Syngenta sales rep to learn more or visit syngenta.ca slash agronomy slash potato. Welcome everyone. My name is Dylan Strelly and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by Vanessa Curry. She is a potato research technician at the University of Guelph within their Department of Plant Agriculture. Vanessa, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks, Dylan. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So uh, we're talking with Vanessa to get an update uh, from her and the Exxon breeding program that she's a part of at Guelph. And before we get into everything, um, just so our listeners kind of know what a breeding technician is. Vanessa, what are your roles within the breeding program at University of Guelph? My role as the potato breeding technician um, and trial coordinator is an all-encompassing role, really. I do just about everything that's related to this project, from the paperwork, the, the grant writing, the record keeping, the recording, Um, to making sure that all of the seed arrives, procuring the seed, um, designing the trials, planting the trials, taking care of the crop in the field during the growing season, um, doing the harvesting, gathering all the data, collecting all the data from the field, from the harvest, from the post-harvest, as well as doing all the lab work involved in the quality testing putting all of that data together and reporting it to the industry. Um, basically, I'm uh, the point person and there's, there's no task on this in this uh, project that I'm not part of. Yeah, it seems like you're, you have your hand in literally every single aspect of uh, your entire project and your program. That's awesome to hear. Um, so going into just how... Uh, the breeding program went this past year. Let's first just talk about uh, climate-wise. How were the growing conditions this past season uh, in your area? They were good. They were good. We had uh, a little bit dry in May, but we had a lot of regular rains throughout the the summer, sometimes a little too heavy rains. um, And some of them were damaging rains as well, but we we certainly had enough moisture. Um, We only really had hot weather through August. Um, and the fall was rather too wet, but we were lucky within our trials to get them harvested, uh, before that. Um, so we, we did, we did fairly well that way. That's good to hear. So just in terms of like averages, how, how did 2021 kind of average wise, uh, growing conditions and climate wise, uh, let's say compared to like a five-year average or something like that. Um, a little, a little more moisture. Um, I'm going to say slightly above average. I mean, we didn't have a punishing drought um, the way other regions did. Um, so a slightly above average. And we didn't have too, many, too much of a punishing heat wave either. Well, I'm glad to hear that you didn't receive the kind of drought that uh, I saw here on the prairies. 
Yeah, I, it's devastating. I'm... Very punishing. So last time Potatoes in Canada uh, was able to talk to you was at the inaugural Canadian Potato Summit that happened last February, and which I believe is happening again this year, uh, again next month. Uh, so for anyone listening, you still have an opportunity to sign up if you're more than inclined to be interested to listen to what potato experts are doing in Canada. Um, but last year, when you gave your talk, you were kind of talking about how the first growing season under uh, COVID kind of impacted your research program. Now, uh, unfortunately, we had to go through another growing season of uh, under the COVID-19 pandemic. So how did uh, the pandemic this year all around affect your breeding program? Well, I'm pleased to report so not nearly as much as it did in 2020. Um, throughout that, we, the, uh, the initial few months, we developed safe research practices and protocols specific to our program and uh, the individuals working on our program. And we were able to um, get permission and we had a lot of support from our uh, our, our sponsors and all of the organizations that, um, and cooperators and partners that we work with were very supportive. So we were able to, to we got permission to continue our research um, as, as, you know, as best as we could and uh, as, as we saw fit. And we did so pretty successfully. So as I say, there were a few things in 2020 and I, I told a group about last year that we had to leave off. It just wasn't possible to do them. This year, we had a full slate of, of trials and uh, research activities, um, including we brought back our early chip trial in Leamington, which plant we had planted in April. It, um, even that was right in the heart of a lockdown. I was able to drive down and plant that myself on a nice sunny, cold April day um, and harvest it in July with our crew. And we also were able to have our, our, some, a lot of our extension activities resumed this year. So um, 2021 seemed more normal. Uh, as I say, we had our protocols, our safety protocols in place, which meant things like driving separately and uh, scheduling so that we didn't all we weren't all in the same place at the same time um, but re it really worked quite well and everybody stayed well and uh, people were getting vaccinated and case counts were low throughout the summer especially when you're working outside it, it didn't seem to be a big concern last summer well that's amazing to hear honestly just the fact that because uh, listening to your talk last year it was you know quite sad to hear that you weren't able to get you know, the full breeding program up and running and do new, your normal activities out there. So I'm very glad to hear that you were going a little bit more back to what it once was before, uh, you know, 2020. And you mentioned that you were, uh, you were able to do some of your extension activities. Does that mean that you're able to have uh, your annual open house? Yes, we were. And that was something that really, I was really happy to be able to do that and resume that. And I think it was very well received. So it was a little bit modified in that people stayed outside. Uh, we didn't have an indoor sit down lunch, which we typically had in the past. Um, but people came to the fields to, directly to the plots. They drove themselves. They drove themselves to the plots rather than getting on a tour wagon too. So that was just another minor change. Um, 
but be, we had probably over th about 35 visitors come uh, during the few hours, which we had the plots on display. Everybody was really pleased to see one another. And it was a nice day. It was rather, it was a rather warm day, um, but we had a little tent and some benches and some, and some drinks that we were able to hand out. And people were able to take a good look at the uh, trial lines that were on display and make their comments. Um, we had Dave DeCoyer there from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Yeah, he's one of the, the, the main potato breeders there. Um, and we had a number of other uh, guests and visitors. We had researchers, um, other potato researchers from campus also on hand. Uh, as part of the potato early dying trial, our graduate student Griffin Bailey was available and our project leader, Katerina Jordan was there. And um, we had entomologist, uh, Angela Gradish and her technician, um, Graham Ansel were also there. So they were able to talk to growers one-on-one -on -one about their, their activities. And uh, we also had Ian Tetlow who's working on some potato starch projects. So although we didn't have the indoor formal presentation style, um, we had a lot of expertise on site and people were able to speak to them uh, just one-on-one -on -one and have conversations that uh, I think that people found really useful. And it's always really useful for researchers to talk with growers and people from the industry in that uh, casual setting. And um, so I, it was a big, it was a big success. We were thrilled to be able to do it and um, certainly plan to, to hopefully even do at least that much this coming season. And if, if not return to the full the full field day. So that, um, as I say, that was a really big success to be able to return to having our field day. That's awesome. It, it really sounds like, uh, you know, despite being in another year of the pandemic, you, you and, uh, your whole team was able to organize a quite collaborative, uh, meeting of everyone so that, you know, again, researchers and producers could actually start talking again in a moral, you know, normal kind of setting. So, that's great. And I hope um, anyone listening starts to, or if that piques their interest, that they're able to join for uh, the 2022 version of your open house. Everybody's welcome. Any, every potato person interested in potato people are all welcome. Perfect. So now kind of going back to uh, what you were able to accomplish this past year, uh, what were your main research goals uh, as a part of the program for this past growing season? So uh, among our research goals or activities that we have are one of them is the early maturing chip trial. And I just mentioned that a little earlier. That's in Leamington to identify uh, lines that are suitable for potato chip processing, which are ready to be processed and chipped at about 90 days. And so uh, we started that in you know, started planting. I planted that in April and then we're able to go down in the middle of July and um, and, and plant and uh, harvest those potatoes, uh, evaluate them for their yield and their potato chip quality. So we did that this year, as I say, and we also have main crop trials of fresh and chipping lines that are grown at our Allura research station. Um, those are grown in replicated tests. Um, we also have early generation lines, which are breeding program selections, which have not yet made it to the stage for elite testing. So they're more of a, a shotgun selection of, of breeding lines that are sent here 
for, to evaluate their suitability for Ontario. So we had a number of those as well, and they're selected visually. Uh, just dig them up, small plots, four hills, uh, dig them up, dig them, drop them, look them over for things like uniformity, scab resistance, size, shape, attra overall attractiveness. And if we choose them, and it's fewer than 10%, which are chosen, they will be advanced for further testing next year and in subsequent years. So we were able to do that. We also had storage chip tests. So every year the main crop trials, uh, chipping trials are harvested and samples are stored in a commercial uh, chip storage at WD Potato, which is just about an hour and a half north of here. And they're, they're treated and they're kept in the same location as commercial chipping potatoes. And every month I go up and I collect samples and bring them back here for chip testing. And the staff at WDU does sugar analysis for us as well. So we do that almost 12 months a year. And then um, finally, we have our potato early dying study, which is uh, conducted also with, uh, with uh, Katerina Jordan. And we have a graduate student, Griffin Bailey, who's working on that. So, uh, and he was able to complete an awful lot of research this year. Um, and then um, well, that's just a different uh, pathology trial altogether. That's different from the, the variety trials, but also um, with regards to our variety trials, we have on-farm trials conducted by Eugenia Banks um, and she has location sites on grower fields. And she also does variety trials and those are included in our results and our data. Um, so then with all of that, it does, I say, it gets collected into uh, reporting and we like to share the results with our growers. Wow, that seems like a very full slate of, uh, of work that you guys were able to do this past year. So um, with regards to that reporting, uh, where is that available for uh, potato producers? Well, we were lucky enough in December to have an in-person meeting in which I handed them out personally, handed reports that seems a long time ago now, um, but hopefully will happen again. I can provide electronic versions of the report for anybody who is interested. Uh, those are available um, basically to anybody who emails me and asks for one. If they would like a paper copy, I can send those as well. Uh, they just send a, a mailing address. Um, people can have whichever what version they would like. Awesome. Well, that, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of great information in part of that. So, and I hope that kind of makes people quite interested to read about what the whole kind of program was all about. Um, so you, you're kind of talking about different potato varieties that you're, uh, as a part of this massive breeding program that you were able to do this past year. Uh, were there any kind of standouts or maybe uh, potatoes of interest that producers should be on the lookout for? Sure. Um, in the early uh, selections, not the early generation, but our early maturing chip trial, we had four new selections from the Egg Canada breeding program. And one of them had a very high yield, 355 hundred weights um, after only 90 days, which is com compared with about uh, 203 of Dakota Pearl and 216 for Atlantic. So that looks pretty promising. It also had really nice chip color. There were three other selections in that group, which also did quite well. So I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I'm interested to see those again in our early selection. And uh, just through the, the regular main crop trials, there was one VF 
1699-01, which had a nice round oval shape and smooth red skin, some white flesh and mid-season maturity. And it also held its color really nicely during uh, after cooking. Um, there's another one, VF 160-109-1, which was round, smooth, the sort of the purplish red skin and had a white flesh with a nice starburst inside. Those are uh, high setting creamers as well. And in the chip lines, we had the WV10655-1, uh, which was a late maturity, but it had moderate resistance to scab and uh, a nice round oval uh, shape. And a good long chipper with uh, WV10620-2, um, which also had moderate resistance to scab and has some resistance to PBY and PBX. And there's a couple of selections from a Michigan State collaborators, MSZ 242-13, which was a good storage chipper and it kept its chip uh, well into June, average yield and medium maturity. So these are all in the report. So I would, you know, would uh, recommend that anybody who's interested in more details of these lines to reach out to me. And as I say, I can send them an electronic uh, copy pretty quickly um, or a paper copy a few days later. So with regards to all of these uh, different potato varieties or lines that um, might be, you know, down the line, how like from today that we're talking or from past growing season, how long would a grower expect to kind of wait and see if one of these potatoes actually uh, becomes available on the market? Hopefully not as long as it used to take. Um, Canada is revamping their commercialization process. Um, and so the lines, once all of the locations submit their data and we make our decisions about which ones should be continued or discarded, um, then they can proceed with offering them for commercialization. And keen growers could get an early sneak peek with, um, within a year or two through the early accelerated release program. So I don't have enough information on how that's going to be going forward with the newer process, but in the past, by the time I'm reporting on them, usually within a, that spring, they can get their hands on small amounts of seed to try them on their own farm and then uh, take the process from there. Well, you're here to hear folks, you know, just keep keep your eyes out and you might be able to grab one of these uh, fantastic new uh, lines that might be ready and available. So and speaking of this upcoming year, um, are the research goals kind of the same at the breeding program or what? What things are you excited about going back to the to the field this coming April to work on uh, for 2022? Yeah, our research goals and our projects are well established and we're committed to those. And um, so we do expect that we will have all of those completed. I uh, would like to get a, obviously a bit more um, extension activities, technology transfer. So I would hope to expand our field day and perhaps have a little more time to uh, to visit some farms and have some in-person meetings. Um, so my goals to improve 22 from 21 would simply be everybody's goals, which is to spend more time together, uh, to see people um, and get back, to, you know, get more back to normal. But we, I mean, I really can't complain. Uh, and I do feel that we've, um, we've done as well as we could given all the circumstances. Yeah, I can uh, definitely agree with that one. Just more in person, more, you know, seeing people's faces and actually getting to see things within our own eyes instead of, you know, over a computer and whatnot. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. 
where can people find you and um, perhaps contact you if they want to uh, get a hold of that report that you were mentioning? I think the easiest thing would be email. Um, and my email is uh, vcurry, V-C-U-R-R-I-E at uoguelph.ca. Well, great. Again, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. I was joined by Vanessa Curry, a potato research technician at the University of Guelph. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcasts.